0: Men uh, between uh, opposing nations that are going to war—that we've seen from the time that Cain slew Abel—men have 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 strove with each other. Is that the right way? Or striven with one another? They fought with one another, and they still fight to this day. But it's not alone. If you'll look into the natural world, you'll see that there's natural enemies. I wrote down a few, and, and many of us that haven't seen some of these, but we've seen them on uh, the Discovery Channel or the National Geographic Channel. We know that there's some natural enemies. We've watched and we've, we've learned from the lion and the hyena. Some of you have seen little programs, right, that the, if, a, if a hyena comes across a little den of cubs, of lions, just little cute lions, that little the little cubs that are harmless at that particular moment and if the mom's not around that hyena will kill those lions and it's reverse if the lion happens to stumble upon the den of the hyenas and there's no adult hyena there's no reason for that 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 little pup is not a threat to that lion he's going to purposely go and kill the hyena because there's something there's something natural there's an instinctive battle between those two i wrote down just a few of others here for a moment. And so I, uh, you've got the, the, the mongoose with the cobra. Uh, I've often, I really enjoyed one time, I watched a, a program that showed the king snake. When the king snake came, when the, a rattlesnake was moving around and chasing a little squirrel, and, and, he, and he topped a little knoll when he did upraise the king snake. And that king snake that was so aggressive and was pursuing after the squirrel turned and slithered as fast as he could, because the king snake went after him, and ran him down and then gobbled him down. And so from there, let's go a little bit farther. So I'm painting a picture for you to see. So then there's flying insects. Has anybody ever Google searched the, uh, the the giant hornet, the Japanese giant hornet, and watched it when it attacks a beehive, a honey beehive? You know, about two years ago, it was a report of the first time that a, the, the Japanese giant hornet made its way to the United States. It was in the northwest, came into uh, to Washington. And it caused, you know, a, a, a stirring because it can decimate, one hornet can decimate an entire hive of bees, honeybees. And if you ever Google search and you watched it, it is almost like, it's almost like something that you, in your mind, like science fiction, because he just comes in, it's just a battle, and, but it's, he's just decimating. That one's just killing hundreds in minutes and hundreds. And so there's this instinctive thing. And, and so you say, Pastor Brown, so what, what does that have to do with what you're talking about here today? I want you to know there's, there's, there's another dimension of life outside the natural. And that there are times that there is a conflict between that dimension and this dimension. There's another world beside what we can feel and touch. There's another existence altogether that you and I have to understand, and we have to pray, God, whatever you can help us to see, let us see. You know this other dimension is only visible to the human eye when God lifts the veil. And so when God doesn't lift the veil, then it's entirely a question of faith that you and I believe in supernatural activity. And so we pray and we say, God, help us to see and help us to understand. Jesus talked about it. He looked at people and he said, you are of this world. He said, but I am not of this world. He said, I came down from above. And so he described two kingdoms at that moment, two spheres of existence. And he made his way into this existence. He said this, Jesus said, God is spirit. Not just a spirit, God is spirit. And then he said, true worshipers of God can't just worship God in the carnal you can't just worship him through the flesh you've got to worship him in the spirit so there is again there's another dimension than this physical world in which we live that i believe that it's just literally just right here present with us today right now outside of the air that we have in the space and time is another dimension altogether and god by his holy spirit occasionally will lift the veil and let us see into it so that we can know how how it affects the life in which we live right now and that's often the debatable issue the debatable issue is is how much can you and i deter this other activity and and how much can we actually resist it so we're praying and we're asking. So I'm asking today, I'm going into something. I believe that not only does God dwell in heaven, but there's, an other, uh, there's other spirit beings. There's angelic hosts. I, how many of you believe that there's angels that God assigns to his children? The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, he says, Are there not ministering spirits that are sent forth to minister to heirs of salvation? The end of the book of Hebrews says that you're to entertain, entertain strangers because you, in doing so, you might entertain an angel unaware. It's very possible on a Sunday morning that somebody could walk through this door that we don't know who they are. They look like a common visitor among us, but actually that they are an angel that God has sent on assignment to Hebrew Springs First Assembly of God. I believe that. You may not believe that, but I'm going to kind of show you. So the Bible goes in, and I don't have the time. Today is more of a sermon, more than a teaching. I don't have the time to take you to every passage of Scripture, but let me take you into some just verbally. So, in the very, uh, the, the Bible says in the book of Job, God, when he is reproving Job for unbelief, God, God says, Where were you, Job? Where were you when I formed the foundation of the world? And that word should echo to every atheist today, every secularist, uh, every, every uh, apostate professor in a college that looks at the students and says that there is no God. You know what God says about this? God looks at that atheist and says, where were you when I stepped out on nothing and formed everything? He said, because when I called the earth into existence, here's what God said. God said I had an audience. And the audience saw my handiwork and rejoiced. And you know who that audience was? The angels of God. In Job chapter number 38, the Bible says in verse number 7 that the sons of God shouted when they saw the creation of the earth. When God literally just spoke it. When nothing, out of nothing became everything and universe was established by the spoken word of God, the angels could not remain silent. They began to shout and rejoice at the power, the creative power of Elohim. They knew he was God and that there was none like him. He was God. He was the one true God. And the people said, Amen. So Jesus said of the angels, when he was talking about the angelic kingdom, he said there was one, there was one that would not abide in the truth. He said of all those that were created, he said there was one, he was a liar and he was the father of all lies from the very beginning. This is what Jesus said. It's in John chapter eight. You can read it on your own. Jesus said this in in Luke's gospel. He said, I saw, the word that we use is Satan. He said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. He said, I saw him. So when did that happen? Well, we'll talk about it in just a moment. So Jesus is describing another world that is outside of the sphere of our ability to see it by the natural eye. That there's an existence. And you say, Pastor, this seems far-fetched. Well, if you believe in Jesus, you've got to believe his doctrine. Right? Right? And so it's not just his miracles, it's his word and he's teaching us, he's revealing to us another world. And so then we have the text of scripture in the book of Isaiah chapter number 14, and the book of Ezekiel chapter number 28, that you can read on your own and it seems as if that both of these prophets, in one sense it says, well they're, they're, they're describing a man. But then when you start reading about the characteristics of this man, it doesn't seem that it fits any person that could actually be in the, in, 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 the, in the natural world. It seems as if both Isaiah and Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, that they are describing something, an incident, an individual with characteristics that just outside the realm of any man that had ever been born. And so he's referred to as the Lucifer, son of the morning. Ezekiel said he is an anointed cherub. And so what it seems to us, if we just kind of fold all this together, is that uh, before the creation of the earth, when God uh, had created the angels first, and that the angels were, were, were again in existence prior to the creation of the earth, that there were archangels, that there was an order to God's kingdom. But it seems as if one of those was called an anointed cherub. What does that mean? It seems as if he was anointed to possibly lead worship in heaven when all the hosts would worship God. But the Bible says that iniquity was found within him. Pride. Well, it was created in his own heart. He lifted himself up. Read about it on your own. Scholars debate it, but this is kind of the, the, the synopsis of it, kind of the middle ground of it, that he was one of the archangels and that he eventually rebelled against God. If Revelation 12, you read that on your own, if Revelation 12 is revealing what happened in the past, then there was war in heaven based upon the rebellion of that one that is called Satan or Lucifer or that old dragon or that serpent and that he warred in heaven against Michael and the other angels of God, and there was conflict. And the Bible says that, 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 that Satan was cast out, and that's when Jesus said, I saw Satan as lightning fall from heaven. He was cast out. But when he was cast out, he drug his tail, and when he drug his tail, he pulled a third of the, of the angels of God into his rebellion. And so with this, so, so many uh, scholars believe that then those, 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 those spirits now are bound under the chains of darkness in this world. And they are spirit beings and they're looking for a body to either possess or to oppress. Jesus, the Bible says in Acts 10 and 38, it says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Spirit of God. And he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So those spirits that rebelled against God have been cast down into whatever the realm of the earth. But what we know somehow uh, that they're, they're not seen to the natural eye. When they're not seen to the natural eye, but they have the ability to affect things in the natural world. And so, and by doing so, we often use the term the devil or Satan. But let me clarify. I'm trying to help us understand this today because I want you to know something. The wolf cometh. The wolf cometh. But we're going to find out what that means for you and I here today. So, in actuality, Satan uh, and, and, and the term Satan or the devil belongs to the entity that I just described to you. The prince of darkness himself. The Lucifer, the one that rebelled. Satan is actually not a proper name. Therefore, though, we use it that way. If you and I are uh, oppressed or pray for someone that is possessed, it is not with the devil. Rather, it is a devil. Does that make sense? But in doing so, the reality is the Bible writers used it synonymously, and we often use the term synonymously. So Satan is, let me tell you about Satan for just a moment. The individual entity, the wolf that I'm describing to you today, the wolf, he is not all-powerful. He's not omnipresent. He cannot oppress me and you simultaneously. However, there is an innumerable company of rebellious angels that Jesus said he has a kingdom, Satan's kingdom. So, pagan cultures, because of when Satan was cast down to the earth, deception, they began to deceive the nations of this world. And the nations of the world, they began to recognize that there was deity and there were spirit beings and they didn't know how to worship. They didn't know who to worship and they succumbed to the deception of the enemy. And so in their desire, man in his desire to worship began to hew out a god. He began to hew him out of stone or wood or hay or stubble, whatever. He made him up, he plastered him up, made him out of gold or silver and he would put him in a, t- in a temple and he would call him his god. But it was because he didn't believe that that, that, that idol was God, but he believed that that, that that idol represented his God that was in the spirit world. And that that idol could actually be possessed by the spirit of that God and then bless them or to, possess, uh, to pass knowledge to them. And that's kind of common across the pagan cultures of, this, uh, of the world, even to this very day. And so in doing so, they often worship the image of the deity, but the Bible plainly describes those deities as devils. But satanic scheme and movement to those cultures was often veiled in darkness. The people didn't understand. They didn't know. They couldn't see. There was a darkness. They, they thought they were worshiping something good, but they didn't know until the light came and now we know. So let's go a little bit farther. So when the light came, creatures of darkness began to scurry about. How many know there was very little written about devils in the past of the, of the 4,000 years of history of with, of, with Israel? There was very little written. There was only a little bit. But the moment that Jesus came, the moment that the light came, then suddenly, all of a sudden, you start seeing the movement of demonic powers. It's because he came to open up understanding to what's going on in another world. Man, I know preaching's good today because I'm spitting like a madman up here. <laughs> That's why we push the seats 15 feet from the front. In <laughs> almost all pagan cultures, listen, the people interacted with spirits, they worshiped the deity, they often sacrificed to them, or and they often even attempted to cast out rogue spirits of possession or oppression people were sick and wounded and and often a witch doctor is a it shaman or a medicine man with spells and rituals and you can go to dark places of this world and there are still there're still medicine men there are still people that, that give themselves to the practice of those dark arts and they invoke evil spirits and they, and they try to sometimes cast spirits out of people that they think are afflicted or sick. And, and, so, and, then, and often in those cultures they appease those devils through sacrifice. And, and even God's people did that until the light came. And when the light came, we, we discovered that when Jesus came, he didn't, he didn't cast a little, he didn't take beads and bones and and and, and little uh, you know little little things that you know of sticks and try to cast out devils. He just spoke the word. He just spoke the word and the devils went scurrying because he was the word of God, manifested the power of God. And so he's beginning to expose to us this other world. And so when Jesus taught, sometimes it was very direct, and other times it was through parables. And I believe that Jesus Christ came uh, for multiple reasons. And one of the reasons why he came was to expose to mankind the powers of darkness that we've been held in bondage to. That he came to reveal to us that we don't have to live our lives in fear. He came to give us life and that life more abundantly. So in the text of John chapter number 10, now remember Jesus often taught in parables And here in this text, he's using the parable of the sheep, the shepherd, and we may say, and the wolf. And I told you there's a little bit of uh, uh, where he's using multiple uh, analogies in the same parable. Because in the very same parable, the same 18 verses, Jesus is the door, and then he becomes the shepherd. And so we see that throughout his teachings that sometimes there's a little bit of dualism there where he's teaching. But in this sense, let's go and let's see if we can understand it. I made a few points. We're going to put on the screen. This is is from the text. Without us going there, you read it. But verses 1 through 18, these are the things that highlighted in my heart that I wanted to share with you today. Number one, Jesus came by the door. What does that mean? Remember what Jesus said? He said, all that ever came before, he said, were thieves and robbers. He said, but I came by the door. What does that mean? And so scholars debate, but I'll tell you what I believe that it means, that Jesus came into the earth through the womb of human flesh to become the Son of Man, to redeem mankind. He came born of a woman. Satan did not enter into the world the way that Jesus did. He came in through deception. He came in the Genesis. He masked himself as as a serpent, and he deceived Eve. And so he was a thief and a robber from the beginning. But Jesus said, I came through the womb. I came through the door. So Jesus came through the door. Number two, as sheep, you and I need to be able to hear the shepherd's voice. You need to be able to train your ear to hear because, let me tell you, there are a lot of voices speaking in your ear. There are a lot of voices that come to us today through media. There are a lot of voices that come to us through other religions. There are a lot of voices that can come to you through, or through college professors, high school teachers, peers that you work with, and the enemy tries to plant, plant deception in your life by using them as a voice. But if you have an ear trained to hear what the shepherd says, you can easily and quickly discern the voice of another. We've got to be able to hear the voice of the shepherd. Number three, the enemy is a thief and a robber. John chapter number 10, verse number 10 said the thief does what? What does he come for? He comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. Now, you can minimize the enemy. You can pay, uh, you can pay tribute to him if you want to, but he's an enemy of my soul. Right? I, I, I'm not putting his picture in my wallet. I'm not celebrating him at Halloween. I'm just going out. I'm just telling you because I know his intent. Jesus said he was a murderer. Did y'all hear that? He was a murderer from the beginning, right? And he came, he came, his whole purpose when he came in was to steal, kill, and destroy. And he was cast down to the earth. There was hatred in his heart towards God. And what he felt like was the ability to hurt the heart of God was to hurt God's children. And so he comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. And through deception, the adversary will tempt the weakness of our flesh and mind to lure us away from the watchful protection of the shepherd. The reality is this. The wolf is ravenous, he's destructive, and he's devouring. He moves in darkness, and he moves in a coordinated effort against the sheep of his pasture. And you and I need to be vigilant. Number four today. But the good shepherd, from this text, verses 1 through 18, just be reminded of this, the good shepherd gives us life. And he desires you, excuse me, he desires you. I'll get to that one in a moment. The good shepherd desires you to have life. John chapter number 10, and that verse number 10, at the end of it, he said, the thief came to steal, kill, and to destroy. He said, but I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Now, I believe that what is abundant life? I could preach an entire message on that, and I will maybe in the days ahead. But abundant life first begins with eternal life. It's not about your prosperous life. There are a lot of prosperous people who don't have abundant life. You can have a a, a large home and and have a a prosperous job, and you can have an inheritance and all of those things, and, and, and you can have some security and gold and silver and all those things and still be miserable on the inside. Right? Abundant life begins with eternal life. When you have peace with God. Right? When you know that if you were to pillow your head in death today, that you would be welcomed into His eternal kingdom. That's where it begins. And then it moves beyond into the peace of God and the grace of God and the kindness of God. That's what abundant life is. I believe that He wants you to lie down in green pastures. Come on, somebody. Right? And lie down beside the still waters. That's what the good shepherd does. But number five, just as a reminder in the context of which I began this message, but the wolf cometh, the wolf cometh. What does that mean? Jesus in this verse number 11, he said, the hireling fleeth when the wolf came, verse number 12. But I want you to know this today, Jesus did not flee. When Jesus, let me tell you, if you go into the book of John, you're going to find especially that, the, that two-thirds of the book of John is written in about, or, or at least half of the book of John is about the last two to three days of Jesus' life. And in that time, he made some statements that you got to have an ear to hear what he's saying because he's revealing to us the wolf. He said things like this. He said that the prince of this world cometh in one passage. I believe it was John chapter 12. And in John chapter number 14, he said this. This was the night of his betrayal. He said, tonight is the power of darkness. This is their night. This is their night. And then even in the the upper room, when he was with his disciples, he looked at them and he said, listen, tonight is the night that he said the shepherd is going to be smitten. And when the shepherd is smitten, the sheep are going to scatter. So remember what he said here in verses 11 about scattering. When the sheep are scattered, the wolf cometh, and he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so the reality is this, for you to know that the wolf came. The wolf came. That was his night. That was the power of darkness. That was the moment. Jay said it earlier. It was the apex of all human history. That's when the wolf came. And when the wolf came, Jesus did not flee. He was not a hireling. But he faced our enemy, the enemy of God's people. From the genesis of time, he faced him head on. And you know what? Like young David, he went out after the sheep that were caught in the mouth of the wolf. And you know what? He gave his life for the sheep. He laid it down freely on the tree. Here's the reality. Jesus died to save you. He loved his father and he loved you. And but the reality is, is unbeknownst to many, is that on the outside Jesus was a shepherd, but in the spirit he was Lord of Lords and King of Kings, right? He was the Son of Man, but he was also the Son of God. And so, but in God's prophetic destiny, let me tell you about David. Go back to David for a moment. When David was taking care of his father's sheep. On the outside, he was the youngest boy. He was ruddy. He was a shepherd. But in God's prophetic destiny, he was a giant killer and the king of Israel. And so let me tell you today, the enemy made a tragic mistake. The night that he came, and he came to steal, kill, and to destroy, and he was given access, and Jesus fought him and went out, and it seemed like the enemy had won because on the cross of Calvary, he pillowed his head in death. It seemed that, that Jesus Christ... in his death that the enemy had won in this ancient battle between the people of God and God's enemy. But we sang about it on the song just a moment ago. But on the third day, something happened. The one that laid his life down decided that he would take it up again. And so he got up from the grave... Because I believe this, I believe that Jesus pursued the wolf so hard that as he died on the tree, he went down into the depths of hell to face the enemy head on and to take from him the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And so again, during that three-day period of time, the disciples mourned and grieved because their Messiah had bled and died on the tree. But they didn't know that he was still at work. He was still after the wolf. He was like David, chasing him down because he had stolen the children of God from what he thought was the hand of God. He said, no, they're not going to be taken from my father. Hand And He went down there and He defeated our adversary in another dimension. And on the third day, He got up out of the grave, triumphant over death, hell, and the grave. And today, He's the Lord of Lords and He's the King of Kings. That's Jesus today. He dispossessed Satan and all of his authority in that realm. And he, has, he said this about his own life. I love verse number 18. He said in verse number 18 of John chapter number 10, he said, no man takes my life from me. See, her, see both Herod and Pontius Pilate thought that they took the life away from Jesus, but they did not. Let me tell you, it wasn't the nail. It wasn't the, it wasn't the spear. It wasn't the crown of thorns. Uh, he chose to lay his life down. Because he said, I've received from my Father. If I'll lay my life down, when I get ready to take it up again, I'll take it up again. Glory to God. And so the wolf came. Jesus paid the price. The shepherd, number six, gave his life for the sheep. Number seven, he did take up his life again, didn't he? And today he deserves all the glory. He deserves all the praise. And now I don't believe the enemy can pluck us out of the Father's hand. Because we have a very watchful shepherd, don't we? He's watching over us today. Man, I tell you what, I could just preach. I could turn it over right there and stop right there and feel like I've been in church this day. Because let me tell you, the wolf came. The power of darkness came. It came for the souls of men. But Jesus, as the good shepherd, gave his life for the sheep. He gave his life for the sheep. And now, I love Hebrews chapter number 2. I believe it's number 14. It says, through death. Through death, he destroyed him who had the power of death, that is the devil. He took away, he took away the fear. As a child of God today, because he, took, he conquered death, you and I don't have the fear of death. We may have the fear of the dying process, but we don't, fear the, we don't fear what's on the other side of death, do we? Because we know that we're welcomed in God's eternal kingdom. So yes, the wolf came, but the good shepherd defeated the wolf. So here's a few things I want to drop down into your heart from my pastor's heart to yours. From my pastor's heart, to you in this context, the final message of a four-part series, The Sheep and the shepherd it's actually a 12 to 15 it was a two to three month series in the past i narrowed it down to four we've looked at little different characteristics of sheep we've looked at the relationship to the earthly shepherd we've looked to our relationship of the heavenly uh, shepherd and the to to the, the the father to know the heart of god but in this context today in this to end this series to look into this world how many of you believe that today that there is a world that's on the outside. It's beyond the natural eye. The only way you'll ever see it with the natural eye is if God will lift the veil. And in that moment, you can see it with the natural eye. So you've got to see it by the eye of faith. So you have to see it in the Word of God. And you can say, though I don't see it, I know it exists. Know it's present. I know that there's another world. Know that I I take great comfort in this today. I believe in the angels of God. For most of my adult life, I have prayed that the angels of God would go in front of me and come behind me. Stand at the left hand and stand at the right hand. Are y'all out there today? I I, I believe that today. But in doing so, I believe that there again is another force in the spirit realm. And there's contention. And there's warring. And that's why Paul said things and and charged us. So these are some things for me to drop in your spirit from my heart to yours as a, I hope and pray that I'm not a hireling. I hope and pray that I'm an under-shepherd under the good shepherd who's teaching you some things that can help you in your walk with God and, and to be aware of some things. Number one, every hardship in your life is not a devil. So let me go ahead, and I don't mean to burst your bubble, but you might be walking through the woods uh, on hunting, going hunting, and your foot catches on a limb, and you fall down. Let me tell you, the devil did not push you. Every hardship is not a devil. That's just the reality. We live in a world that's filled with danger. There is just an innate danger of just living in this existence. It's just in this world you're going to have tribulation. So number one, every hardship is not a devil. But number two, many afflictions, anxieties, and troubles are agitated by a devil. So let's be aware of this today. So not everything negative that happens in my life happened because of a devil. But the reality is many afflictions, many anxieties, and many troubles can have the agitation of a demonic power. Jesus' said Jesus's ministry revealed that devils could be in sickness. They could be in mental issues. They could be in oppression. I told you that the, old, the people of Israel called Satan Beelzebub, the Lord of the Flies. What do flies do? They agitate you. They irritate you. They're looking to get into the soft tissue of, of, of the inner human person or the animal that they're agitating. And so we can see that so the demon spirits. Paul. Here's what Paul, one of the most learned men of his generation, said this about the devil. He said, Satan hath hindered us. So there are some things in your life at times when you're doing for the good of, of, of people and for the glory of God. And there's resistance. At times there's a devil that's stirring up that resistance. There are other times Paul said we're not ignorant of the schemes of the devil. He said on another passage that the wiles of the devil. So I believe that it behooves us to have a, have a spiritual ear and say, God, help me to be able to discern the spirit world. See, if, if I have a headache, an, a, an aspirin might help me. But if I'm dealing with the devil, then Tylenol is not going to help you. Are you all out there today? And so it behooves us to know. Number three, if in your spirit that you feel the need, and I'm not going to elaborate on this much because I'm going to tie this into the fifth one in a moment, but if in your spirit you feel the need to rebuke or resist the devil, then do so in faith. Do so with 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 an assurance that what you're doing was done by Jesus himself and by his apostles, and we take his teaching and we strive to live and do following his example. He cast down demonic powers, didn't he? He pulled them down. His apostle said, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Resist the devil, and what will he do? He will flee from you. Your adversary as a roaring lion. So today, for today's message, we could say it this way. Your adversary as a ravenous wolf walketh about seeking whom he may devour. But we're going to resist him in the faith. Number four, and this is maybe my favorite one. Are y'all ready for this? You may be sheep, but you are no longer defenseless. I I may have saved the best for last right there. Because during this whole series, I've shown you that a sheep was pretty much defenseless. And, and, And so the shepherd had to watch over the sheep. But I want you to know that when Jesus disarmed Satan in his death on the tree, I want you to know he armed you. Right? So hidden down in your wool, I'm telling you, the sheep of today's pasture are packing. So we want, we want the adversary to know that we are no longer defenseless, that you're not going to just come and steal killing to destroy us any longer. But the shepherds taught us uh, that there are times when we're passive and there are times when we got our head buried down in the grass. But there's times when we draw the weapons of our warfare and we engage the adversary because we've been empowered to do so by the power of the Spirit of God who dwells on the inside of us. And so you are no longer defenseless. So that's why as a pastor, I want to teach you and train you. And I want you to know that you have the power to resist the enemy. You do. I know we can call the prayer team. I know that we can pray for you. We're going to pray for any in a few minutes. But let me tell you, I want you to know who you are in Christ Jesus. Yes, Jesus in the teaching of the sheep and the shepherd In one sense said I'm the door And the next sense he said He said I'm the shepherd And then we also know him to be the lamb of God So yes, we're defenseless sheep in one sense And we need the shepherd and his watchful eye And his protection But in the other sense, we're like David We've got the anointing of God upon our life And we're not going to sit back And watch the enemy come into our homes Our lives, our family, our flock And steal, kill and to destroy As long as we got breath on the inside of us We're going to... Engage the adversary and win the war in Jesus' name and God will receive the glory. Because we are no longer defenseless. To rebuke the devil. So here it is. Let me drop this down in your spirit. To rebuke the devil, you've got to be in a position of faith, number five. You need to be in a position of faith because you've got to rebuke him with authority. You've got to know who you are in Christ Jesus. You've got to know the power the dunamis and the exousia, the authority of God that's committed to the children of God and that you are in the position of authority. Can you get that down in your spirit with me today for a moment? Can you take a moment and just let that drop down in your spirit that you, when he was raised up from the dead, you've been made to sit down together with him in heavenly places? And you are in that position of authority in this spiritual warfare that I'm not I'm doing my best to describe it to you using a little bit of of dramatization. But let me tell you, read the word on your own. Find out if what I'm preaching to you is right. Find out if I am I telling you favor. Did you know many Jewish scholars today, when they look back in the in the old covenant, look back, they call these things myths and legends. I call it the truth of the word of God. The, the, the liar has deceived the minds of those who believe not. But you and I believe. And so I want you to rebuke the enemy. He said, Pastor, how do I rebuke the enemy? Now, number one, your faith must be in God. You've got to have faith in God, true faith in God. Number two, you need to be filled with the power of the Spirit of God. That's why you pray. All of us pray. Whether you share the full measure of Pentecostal experience that many of us do, well, that's not, that's even, I'm not even going to debate that doctrinally with you today. I think we should all pray, Father, fill me with the Holy Spirit. The Bible exhorts me. It says in Ephesians 5 and 18, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. All of us should pray, Father, fill me with the Holy Spirit. And number three, you know, I need to speak the authority of the name of Jesus. I tell you what, let me take a moment. I'm about to close. There's only seven of these, and that's five, and I'm about to wrap this message up. I've been given strict instructions from those working in the nursery today to make it fast. (laughs) We need to honor and reverence and recognize the power that is contained in the name of Jesus Christ. The name of Jesus, the authority. You cast out devils by his name. You pull down strongholds. You drive away the darkness as you exercise the authority of the name of Jesus. You're not in your own authority. You're in the authority that's been conferred to you because he, all authority and power was given unto him. And as the Father sent him, he sends you and I. And we extend his kingdom, and as we extend the light, we drive away the darkness. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Number six today, neither give place to the enemy. Here's where, as I'll close today, Scripture says in Ephesians chapter number 4, it says, neither give place to the enemy. Get that down in your spirit. When Jesus said those words in John chapter number 12, listen to this. He said, the prince of this world cometh and findeth nothing in me. What does that mean? You read that on your own. But read, read, this is the King James English. It says, the prince of this world cometh and finds nothing in me. That means he came and he searched for an opportunity to bring accusation against him. He looked for a moment to create a stronghold in his mind. He looked for something which he could uh, he could accuse. He's an accuser, isn't he? he? Jesus said he comes, and he says he's found nothing in me. What I mean, he found nothing in him that he could wrong or he could accuse him before God. To are y'all out there? So let me tell you, that's why we give no place to the devil. So did you know what the danger for us is through our carnal thinking and living, you and I give place to the enemy. We give place to the enemy, our adversary, we give him access to our lives. Let me tell you, what you do, how you live, your life matters. And it can matter generationally. Man, this is not in my notes, but I'm feeling this by the Spirit of God. See, that's why I believe we have to guard our homes. I believe we have to guard what we see. What we hear, what we're listening to, our entertainment choices, all of those things, because in doing so, we're creating access points to the adversary. And so when we participate, and some of you are new to our church, COVID uh, helped, uh, whatever the reason, and you found yourself coming to our church. And in days gone by, our, the, our, the church was really rigid. And oftentimes the new folks, and we kept people, we held them off a little bit until we gave them time to, uh, uh, for them to, to walk in according to doctrine. Now, to a degree, we are a little bit more welcoming. But, and so I'm for that because I want you to trust the heart of the shepherd. But, but I also now it's time for me to start teaching you. Because some of you are still living very carnal lives and you're giving place to the enemy and you're thinking well it's not so bad that I do this that I drink this smoke that put this in my body watch this or listen to it until you look up and your children are being traumatized by a demon power and there's no power in you to resist it but if you will live a disciplined life and begin to guard yourself and to guard your life the anointing of God will come on you in a fresh and mighty way like you have never known before and you won't have to call the pastor you won't have to call somebody to come into your house and put an an anointing oil there you will rise up and say I I am the priest of my own household. I'm anointed by God and I'm giving the devil no place. And I'm driving the devil out of my home in Jesus' mighty name. I believe that with all of my heart. But we got to live a guarded life. And we have to live a life that's pliable. If God says that I don't want you to do something, it's not because he's taking anything good away from you. If there was good in it, he could have it. But if it's not, he's protecting you. So stay pliable. Stay pliable, stay guarded. Let the Spirit of God bring conviction to your heart and life when necessary. Why? Because you want to give I don't want the wolf. Come on, somebody, I don't want the wolf when he comes. I don't want him taking anything that belongs to God or that belongs to me that's been put in my protection. Are you out there? The wolf cometh. Number seven. And someone asked Daryl to join me on the platform. As under-shepherds, of the great shepherd Jesus did not flee and neither will we we want you to know that today one of my responsibilities is to to love you and to teach you and to train you so let me show you with you the difference in the call of God as I conclude so there's a there's when I say the call of God there's what we call in ministry the fivefold ministry I'm gonna take my glasses off so I can see you better this is not in the notes. It just felt in my spirit that I should share this with you today. So you have a fivefold ministry comes to us in the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, that when he ascended up on high, he gave gifts unto men. He gave first apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It's known in the Christian circles, theology, as the fivefold ministries. The apostle sent by God carrying on apostolic authority uh, also to establish churches and many times to have uh, miracles that are akin to apostolic days, apostles, then you have prophets, those that are called seers. They sit in the office of a prophet. They prophesy about the direction of the future of the church. You can be prophetic and not be a prophet. All of God's children can prophesy, and the Spirit of God comes on you. It doesn't mean that you sit in the seat of an of a, of a, of a office. Jojo and I can play basketball, but that doesn't make us basketball players. Are you out there today? So there's the office of a prophet. Then we have an evangelist. An evangelist are those that compel people to come to Christ, and in biblical days, and hopefully in our days, many of them are dynamically anointed by the Spirit of God for miracles of signs and wonders. Stephen was a, an evangelist, and Philip especially was plainly called an evangelist, and The Scripture says that he went down to Samaria. And while there are many miracles, there were signs and wonders, and people uh, that had demon spirits, they were healed of those. uh, They were cast out, and then their, their bodies were healed. And so we believe in the ministry call of an evangelist. And then there comes those last two, pastor, teacher. Some say it's one and the same. Others, I think it's two. I think there are those that are pastors. And then there can be teachers who are not pastors. But teachers aid the pastor. The pastor is the shepherd. He's the shepherd of the sheep. And so as the shepherd, not only do we care for the sheep. I want to care for you. And I want to do everything that we can to help you and to to see you you healthy and whole. But we want to do something. So what am I bringing this up to you? The evangelist might come through and pray for you for deliverance. But if I don't teach you, if the shepherd doesn't come back in and teach you, the enemy, the wolf, will simply come right back in. He'll just come back in. Because remember what Jesus said in the parable. He said, all that ever came before me were thieves and robbers, and they came in some other way. The enemy's always looking for a place of access to our lives. And that's why my responsibility to you is to teach you and to train you by the Word of God so that you are more pliable and you are aware of the snares and and the wiles of the enemy so that you give no place to the devil. Now, as I close my message today, any time that you start using the term the devil, Satan, there, you can go too far with that, or you can pretend it's just a myth while he still kills and destroys in your life. Somewhere there's safety in the middle ground. Somewhere there's safety that says, I don't want to go too far. I'm not going to be so devil conscious that I'm more devil conscious than God conscious. Are y'all out there? Because I'm telling you, I've met a lot of people that way over the years. Everything. You know, they're like, the, the devil, bless his holy name. Are, did you hear what I said right there? They're so, so caught up in it, it's almost like we have deified the devil. So, no, no we want to expose the devil. That's what we want to expose. And I'm not going to pretend that he doesn't exist. I'm not going to be on this side either. I'm going to be acutely aware of the warfare. And I don't want to feel like I'm an estranged Christian. or I'm one of those wild christians or you know something like that listen paul practiced spiritual warfare jesus did all the apostles all of them wrote about the enemy john wrote about the enemy james wrote about the enemy paul wrote about the enemy the apostle peter writes about the enemy so you and i need to be aware that the wolf comes are you out there today but the good shepherd gave us life for the sheep and he conquered the enemy, and he's given us power to resist him. He's not removed him. He's still present in the earth. He's still present, and he still will come and still kill and destroy. The wolf will come. The difference is we have the ability to resist him. Isn't that right? That's why in the sheep and the shepherd, I'm so grateful for the shepherd today, the one that gave his life for the sheep. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed for just a moment of time. We're going to pray in this house together, whatever and whoever would need prayer today in Jesus' name. First of all, I want to thank the Lord. I want to ask you to take a moment of time in your heart of hearts with me. Say, Pastor, you're a little bit more radical than I realize. I haven't known you that long. A little more radical. Yeah, there's a lot more than what you even realize because I know I've seen the effects of the adversary. I've seen what happens. The ravenous wolf can come in. I see the effects of carnal living giving place to the enemy. So today, I just want to stop and pause, and for a brief moment, I want to thank God for the shepherd, for the good shepherd, the one who laid down his life on the tree, on the tree. Can you take a moment in your heart and mind and your spirit today as you pray? Young adult, teenager, under the sound of my voice, as you pray right now, you can have a a visual image in your mind of Jesus on the tree. You say, Pastor, I don't know what he looked like. I don't know what his skin complexity looked like. I don't, that doesn't matter. does not matter. What matters is, can you see him suffering, wounded, crown of thorns upon his brow, his hands and his feet both pierced, his side pierced by a Roman soldier's spear, and you know that he gave his life for the sheep. He gave his life for you, for you and I. Redemption demanded payment. And he paid it. You were penniless. You couldn't pay what God demanded. But he did. He gave his life freely. And he deserves everything. All the glory. All the honor. Lord Jesus, I'm so grateful today. Even the disciples, when you shared this word with them, they didn't understand what you meant when you said that the shepherd will lay his life down for the sheep. They didn't know what that meant at that time, but we do now. We look back and we know. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Who will pray that with me today? Somebody here today may need to ask the Lord to forgive you of sin. Right now, under the sound, I feel the Lord in this house today. It's a special day. It's a very special day. Lord, I feel your presence in this house today. Somebody may just need to thank God for the blood of Jesus right now and say, God, I'm thankful for the blood. I ask you to cleanse me today by the blood. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin by the blood of Jesus today. Wash me. And make me whole, make me clean. Number two, you're here today. And this is a moment for you and I to join our faith together collectively. The last point in my sermon, I said this. I said, Jesus, the good shepherd, didn't flee, and neither will we. Not only do I want to train you, which is part of my teaching. Not only do I want to instruct you, which was my teaching. I'm willing, very willing, to pray with you today. If you're here and it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage for you to say, Pastor, I'm here present, but I'm going to be honest. There's just been some things in my life as of late that I just feel like I'm dealing with demonic powers. It just feels like that this is more than just something in the natural. This is more than just something, you know, uh, mechanical. This is more than just, it, there seems to be in my situation that I'm facing right now. It just, I just believe that I'm dealing with something demonic. And if that's you today, I want to ask you to have the courage to raise your hand. Because I'm going to ask you to come forward in a moment. And I will pray with you, me and the other pastors. I will pray with you. If, you, if that was you today, it might be one, might be 20, I don't know. If that's you, raise your hand today just so I can see if there's anyone here today. Thank you for that hand today. Anybody else today? I'm being honest. We're waiting on the Lord today. Just waiting. Is there anyone else today in Jesus' name? I'll pray for the one. will not you all stand up with me today? And I'm going to ask our church family today. If you raise your hand, and even if you didn't, you'd have the courage to come forward. Before I let you out, part of my job today was to train, but part of my job is to pray with you today, pastor to pastor. There's no shame. There's, matter of fact, the shame would be you walking out of this house and knowing that you're dealing with something and you hadn't got your breakthrough on it, you hadn't really fully connected to it, be able to get the deliverance that you need, and you let whatever keep you from coming to the front. That's what would be wrong, wouldn't it? Would somebody here today just real quickly begin to pray? Let's just pray. This is Sister Elaine. We know her and know her well. So we're going to anoint her with oil. And I want to ask you where you're at. Stretch your hand out towards her right now. She had courage. She came to the front. She says, I'm dealing with something here today. I'm dealing with it. God, we pray. We anoint her with oil right now in the name of Jesus. We do today. We put anointing oil on Elaine's head today, God. Why do we do that? Because we believe it represents the power of the Holy Spirit, God. Fill her with the Holy Spirit, God. Fill her with the power of the Holy Spirit that she can give no place to the devil. Father, the enemy that has been taken, Father God, and come to steal, kill, and to destroy, as her church family, God, we rebuke the enemy in Jesus' mighty name. We give no place to the adversary. His lies, his accusations, the things that enter her mind, that trouble her at night. We bind you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Those troubling thoughts and images, those fears and doubts that come your way, we rebuke them right now in the authority of the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray for healing in Elaine's life, virtue and kindness and the love of God. Father, that Jesus came that she might have life. Who will pray that? God, you came through Christ that she might have life and have it more abundantly today. So, Lord, we pray for her today, blessing her in the name of Jesus, blessing her right here, right now, God, in the name of Jesus. I bless her today as her pastor, Lord. And so, church family, let me pray with you before I let you out of here today. You've given me time to preach to you, and you have honored me, and I appreciate it so much. And we love Elaine, and we continue to surround her. But I pray for my entire church family that's gathered in this house today that, God, maybe they didn't need to come to the front for us to add our agreement for this moment, but they needed to hear what was spoken in this house. They needed to be reminded that, Father, as sheep in your pasture, they're no longer defenseless. They have spiritual authority. They have weapons of warfare, and they can resist the enemy in Jesus' name. In one sense, they're sheep. In the other sense, they're like David, that they can go and engage the wolf Engage the lion, engage the bear, and win victory in Jesus' name. So God, today, as my church family walks out of this house, I bless them to be all that you have called them to be. Let them go forth in the power of the Spirit of the living God. Unveil, lift the veil, let them see, let them hear, and let them know what they need to know about the world that's around them, God. Another dimension, God, where demonic powers, Father God, vie, to affect this natural world in which we live. And God, we want this natural world, in this world, we want you to receive glory. In every part of our life, in our family, our home, our children, our children's children, we want victory to bring you glory, God. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's children said today, amen, And amen. Thank you all so much for coming out and being in service with us today. Love one another as we continue to love and minister.